the fruit of the Spirit, part two, joy. Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. One thing we may miss regarding God is he too is an emotional being, and joy is something that is good, not only to us, but to God as well. And in this passage, the word joy represents something, the joy that was set before him. What's he talking about? He's talking about us. We are the joy that was set before Jesus. That joy would cause him to endure the cross, despise the shame, and suffer a horrible death. And to think that my miserable life can bring any amount of joy to the Lord is very humbling to me, and it should be to you as well. But we must always keep in mind that God sees us much differently than we see ourselves. I recall several years ago, I was with a friend, we were driving around the base, and we passed the daycare where his son, who was barely walking, was enrolled in. And my friend, he saw his son walking outside in a play area, and his kid was barely able to walk. He was that young. And my friend began to get really excited. He's saying, look at my little man, look at him. And he jumped around and he went from zero to 60 in no time because he simply saw his little boy waddling around daycare. And I think that's the way that God looks at his children with joy. He's happy when he sees us. He loves us. And continuing the discussion on the fruit of the Spirit, we're now looking at this word joy and what it means. And you may have heard me use joy as an acronym in previous episodes. If you want joy, then put Jesus, J, first, others, O, second, and yourself, Y, last. That brings joy. And the first time I heard this, I thought it was kind of cute and probably more fitting in a children's ministry. But the longer I live, the more I believe it's true. Putting Jesus first is huge. And then others ahead of ourselves, that does something to our character. It brings in humility and it brings in just a good perspective, I believe. And joy is something we don't really discuss a lot, but the joy of the Lord, man, notice it's not our joy, it's the joy of the Lord or the Lord's joy. That is our strength. It's God's presence in us, His joy. We need to just let that joy saturate our souls. In ancient Israel, they had all but forgotten the Word of God, and as a result, the nation suffered and basically was evicted or exiled from the Promised Land. And later, God began to bring them back from exile, like He had promised, to the land of Israel, but the land was now desolate, and so were the hearts of many Israelites. And during this time, God raised up a priest named Ezra. And Ezra is one of the heroes of the faith that not many believers know about. There's a book in the Old Testament bearing his name and telling his story in the time of Nehemiah, who also has a book named after him. And you read Ezra and Nehemiah, and you can see the two go together. And Ezra's passion for God was exactly what the desolate hearts of the Israelites needed during their difficult time of rebuilding their city and their lives in Israel. And Ezra did something brilliant. He saw the void in their knowledge of God, and he's like, we need to address this. And he began to teach the people the law, which apparently they had not learned. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. They read it clearly, and they gave the background, the context, all that kind of stuff, so the people could understand it. Verse 9, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. 
Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they had heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So they taught the word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. It's what we call expository teaching or preaching, if you want to use that word. I don't care for the word preaching because I always think of some angry guy up there yelling at the congregation, which I know is not the case in every preacher's church, but I just, for some reason, can't shake that vision. But I like teaching. We don't need to be preached at. We need to be taught. And Ezra knew that. He taught the people faithfully. And I fear for so many pastors who have not taught the word of God to their congregations. Rather, they use a few verses to supplement their speeches, keeping the people ignorant of the Word of God. And that's a bad place for a pastor to be. As James says in James 3.1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Yeah, we're responsible for imparting the Word of God, what we know to our congregations. And Ezra, he got that. He says, look, these people don't know the Word. They don't know the law. These are Jews, and a Jew that doesn't know the Jewish law, that's a bad place to be in your culture if you don't even know what God requires of you. And the law gave the Israelites not only what God required of them, but the path to being blessed, the path to having peace, the path to having victory in their lives. That's all wrapped up in the law. We read the law, and sometimes it's like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, yeah, God puts some parameters up so we won't make our lives explode, but the reason is he wants to bless his people. He wants us to be people who know him, and knowing his word is huge. And so there's accountability when teaching the word of God, and the Lord expects those commissioned as pastor teachers to do exactly that, teach the word, and by so doing, equipping the saints or the believers for the work of the ministry. And that's what Ezra and the Levites that served under him did. They taught the people the truth of God, and they got it. So they hear the word, they're understanding it. What happens? They weep. <laughs> It's like sitting in church and the pastor says something and just nails you and you're like, I'm such a worm. All your sin seems to just bubble up all over the place, you know, because the Word of God has that effect on people. It's holy. Like Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, where he rebukes the Jewish leaders and the Jews for rejecting and murdering Jesus. And he says in verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Peter drops the hammer. This is what's up, guys. But then he says, look, guys, it's not about condemning you. It's about restoring you. And that restoration, it begins with repentance. So your sins may be blotted out. How good is it to know that your sins are forgiven? It's awesome. And so Peter lays out the truth to instruct them to repent, revealing that the heart of God, as Peter was speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, is to reconcile mankind to himself, not to judge us. Judgment is not on God's top 10 fun things to do. Judgment comes when mankind gets to a point of rebellion that's simply off the hook. But reconciliation is what God desires, and that's what the cross is all about. So for Ezra, this was the end game, and he responds to their weeping by saying, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the law. And he says, Go your way. Celebrate. Have a great feast. In this culture, the fat of the animal was the delicacy. He's like, Eat the fat, man. Celebrate. 
Have a huge feast. Drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Look, let's all celebrate this day. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come back to God. Let's get it right. Let's look at the words of the law. Let's repent. Let's bring God back into the center of our lives. And what that's going to do is that's going to put us on that path of blessing, on that path of redemption, on that path of coming back out of a broken, desolate life and being full. It's a day to celebrate. And indeed, when we repent, it is a day to celebrate. If you've ever been in a moment of celebration, like at a wedding or a birth of a child or a promotion or anything that the moment is full of cheer and celebration, and this is what joy looks like. And in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. That's a promise. And that joy comes along with the Holy Spirit. That fruit of the Spirit, fruit is something that just naturally happens. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, things naturally happen. And God is love. God is peace. God is joy. All those things. So we get those attributes in us. But we can also grieve the Holy Spirit by unbelief or rebellion. In Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You're sealed. That stamp of ownership is on us. Instead of doing our own thing and grieving the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey and follow Him. And this is where the fruit of the Spirit buds and begins to grow. And joy being listed as a part of that fruit is given to us. It's the joy of the Lord that we are receiving. And in that, there's celebration. Psalm 511, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. Psalm 1611, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You learn that when you begin to learn about God. You will learn that his path is a path of life. And in his presence, when you experience that, there's fullness of joy. That's something that's learnable. That's something that you can experience. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. Learn to tap into that joy by yielding your life to the Holy Spirit. Learn and study God's words so these promises can be revealed and that you may find that joy. Thank you.